Welcome to King's Crowd Startup Investing Podcast, keeping you in tune with the online private markets and empowering everyone to become a venture capitalist. I'm your host, Sean O'Reilly, and joining me today is King's Crowd CEO, Chris Estrino. What's up, man? Hey, how are you, Sean? Very well. Uh, nice, uh, sunny, kind of spring day here in D.C. What's it yeah, like out there? Bad over here. It, I think it's like 72 degrees. I like brought my coat this spring when it was cold, and now I'm sweating. My, uh, my in-laws used to vacation in um, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and it's Puerto Vallarta is like the San Diego of Mexico. And I know that sounds weird, but like basically the climate is steady year round. So last week, my father-in-law held up my, uh, or his, his, his iPhone weather app, and it had 75 straight sun every day of the week. And uh, like, uh, you know, nice. you live in California, so you know what I'm talking about, but. I now know what you're talking about. It's taken me a couple of years, but now I totally get it. <laughs> you uh, you were a little shell-shocked when you moved out there, though, I remember. You were like, yeah, I don't know my winter. Did you leave your winter coats in Boston? No, no, I brought them with me, but I, I definitely didn't need them. So <laughs> um, the Tahoe this weekend to experience a little bit of that, that snow vibe, that cold winter vibe. But the nice thing is we could leave it behind after the weekend's over, so. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. So, uh we, King's Crown is about to come out with its uh, annual report. This is a very, very big deal. Our analyst team is working very, very hard to get this to print. I mean, how long is this thing going to be? Is it like 50, 60? 50, 60 pages, yeah. Yeah, like, like man. Uh, to our analyst team, uh, when you hear this, we thank you. Ariel, love you, everybody. Thank you. Um, but uh, we do have a little special treat for our listeners today, though. We got a good amount of the data, and we just kind of want to drop a little bit of a teaser um, but first, I was going through the uh, the company Slack earlier, and I noticed a little tidbit in the investing channel. You made a public stock investment in a stock that did very well today, Rocket Companies, <laughs> which leads itself to the whole GameStop Reddit stuff. And we're we're not the online private market rating and agents, uh, rating analytics company, so like we will get to that in a second. But man. What is that, <laughs> right? You know, and it does, it, it speaks to this whole movement of democratization and moving away from it being about the hedge funds or in our space about the venture funds and saying, hey, everyday individuals should be able to partake in this market to make things happen. Now, at the same time, what's going on- This is a cult. Right? There's a difference between what you're talking about. <laughs> but I think it speaks to an underlying movement that's occurring, right? And we're especially seeing with like, Gen Z and there's a whole Gen Z VC movement. Like there is this change that's bubbling up. And I think this is just a microcosm of that change. It's showing that desire to be able to partake in the financial markets and have things be democratized, but it is insane. And I won't try and act like I understand it, believe me. Right, because you said, <laughs> you know, you, you this was a actual investment that you made. This was not a speculation. You believed in Rocket Company's mission. It's a play on decentralization of getting a mortgage. I, you know, I am a huge fintech investor. I always have been. I love the fintech space. Anyone who's trying to reinvent any component of the financial services market with technology to me is an exciting investment to make. And obviously Rocket Mortgage, as many people probably know it, um, though it is Rocket Companies, I think it's RCKT, I forget the exact ticker, um, but it's a stock that I've held basically since their IPO. 
Um, they've been a very high performing company for a very long time in the private sector. And when they finally IPO'd, I took the opportunity to hop in and be a part of this company that's simplifying the mortgage process. I mean, you're talking about a multi-trillion dollar industry that's been an absolute disaster forever. And they're making it as easy as logging onto your phone and tapping in a few things and being able to get it. And not that they're just giving away mortgages, but they're making it easy for those who should be able to get a mortgage to get it. Right. But I was Did you know? I, I, Sean, you know, I've held on to the stock, I don't know, it's probably been six or eight months and it basically hasn't moved. The market really hasn't given it much credit. And I was fine with that. I, I always invest with the five to 10 year, you know, time horizon. And um, I wake up and I see that it's got like a 35% jump because I'm on the West Coast. So I wake up when the market's already open and I'm like, huh. And I look down at their Q4 results and I have that kind of- This is some really good earnings, right? Nope. They blew blew their earnings per share. I was like, okay, obviously they had an amazing quarter and they're blowing up. This is amazing. And then I get to work and I type in Rocket Mortgage to learn a little bit more about what their quarterly report was. And I learned that it's really the GameStop percentage. Yeah. Uh, so before we move on, did you know that back, this would have been five years ago now, when I hosted the Motley Fools Industry Focus podcast, they did it three times a week. One of their advertisers was Rocket Mortgage. So two, three times a week, I was reading these 30-second ad spots for, you know, this this episode of Motley Fool Industry Focus podcast is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. And yeah, they've always been in the forefront. So good for them. I don't know. No, they're, they're pretty impressed. And I believe the founder and CEO of Rocket Mortgage. Dan Gilbert, yeah. Cleveland, um, Detroit. He owns Detroit. the he owns the Cavaliers, though. But he, yeah, it's Dan Gilbert. He's the billionaire. He found a quick and loans. And then they, uh, yeah. Very cool. He's a cool guy. He just had a stroke, by the way. Oh, wow. Not just. It was like a year or two ago. But he's recovering. And yeah. In any regard, if you're interested, yeah. in mortgage up 70% today, pretty wild. Uh, be interesting to see what happens going Don't forward. chase, by the way. Just a little plug there. Chris, that's going to quadruple that we talked about it. So, <laughs> um, so speaking, uh, continuing to talk about things that are at the forefront, we're at the forefront of collecting data on the private online markets. Um, what was the, okay, so we got, okay. First up, we had our analyst team put together just valuation statistics. Like if you are a early stage startup on, and you go to you know, the WeFunders, the Start Engine, the Republics, and you want to raise money, what can you, what sort of valuations are normal? What amount of money can you expect to raise? All these things. Um, the median valuation though kind of surprised me because I, what do you think about this? So I, I show the median valuation for 2020, no discount applied last year was 7.5 million across all platforms, all industries. Did that seem low or high to you? That actually seems right about where I expected it to, but I'm coming from a biased point of view in that I've looked at a lot of these deals. Right. Five to 10 is the range uh, yeah. that I see founders going to market with. So I'm not, I'm not overly surprised. What did we start at? year 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 and a half ago was it like 2018 which is about three years ago now um we raised the first round was at a two million price valuation so it was pretty low right Uh, and then the the most recent was around a four and a half million uh valuation so we always kind of went for a more attractive we were always conservative though because we wanted to grow into valuation and yeah um the other interesting statistic i don't know if you want to share this but uh biosciences 
Yeah, Max Quadrant Biosciences, really interesting company, obviously much further progressed than a lot of companies, especially from a technology perspective. Uh, but Max Quadrant Biosciences, really interesting company, raised on WeFunder. If you want to go check them out, they raised a portion of their capital uh, via Reg CF at a $266 million valuation. So that took That's a small cap stock on the NASDAQ, man. That's like... That took the cake in terms of uh, valuations for last year. But yeah, I, you know, I always kind of say when founders are looking at this market, five to 10 million as a pre-seed seed stage company at this point in time uh, is usually well received by the general public. Um, Why doesn't Quadrant go public? Like, come on, what is that? <laughs> Why doesn't Quadrant go public? Like, what is that? <laughs> you no, know, biotechs like to stay private, right? They don't want they do. to yeah. being a public company. The quarterly um, hassles and the reporting earnings and all that. Like Elon yeah. Musk always says that's the worst part about being a public company CEO. Well, I think one of the worst things for biotech companies, in my experience, is that you know so much of your price fluctuates based on how your phase one or phase two trials come out. And a lot of times those trials can be misunderstood, right? They come out, they say, hey, right. we get yeah. the results weren't quite as positive as we hoped for. Now you're tanking as a stock. When maybe it's not totally indicative of the fact, well, we have a whole pipeline of drugs that we're working on. And, it, you know, it's not the whole Right. Because these companies don't just have one patent in the works. They have 10 or something. Yeah, exactly. So that, you know, it's not really indicative of what's going on, but it could drastically uh, change the outlook of your business. So I, I get why they stay private, but it is interesting to see $266 million company where we're used to looking at, you know. My jaw hit the floor. I was like, Ooh. anyway, uh, <laughs> speaking of high value. So um, we then asked our team industry with the highest average valuation. So you might think, so I actually had my money on a SaaS company software. Like I naturally was like, okay, my money's yeah. Um, the surprising answer is energy, power, and natural resources with a highest average valuation of 15 to $20 million. But these are not oil companies, right? Yeah, all clean tech companies. Uh, I don't think right. any like oil and gas companies at all. But yeah, I think it speaks to this movement. And it's been interesting with the Biden administration, um, you know, seeing how much investment they want to make in the clean tech sector. Been reading a lot about, you know, clean energy, wind turbines, that business is starting to take off. I think we're seeing that pivot point where we're, or inflection point, if you want to say, um, where clean tech and clean energy is really starting to get to a price point where it's going to become mainstream. Most of the, um, I, I think it was a year or two ago that um, solar and wind and everything in a, a fair area, like I'm not talking about like Antarctica here, like, you know, you can't have a you know solar panel and, but uh, uh, they, they're about a price parity, give or take, you know, some nuances. And that's, that's a very big deal. Um, sense, right. Like it takes so many years. It's like any technology, like, you know, mm -hmm. flat screen TV started out in the thousands of dollars. And now literally anyone can buy one for like three to $500 and have a 60 inch TV. It just takes time for the technology to get to a price point that makes sense. I remember when my, uh, my mom's dad, my, my grandfather passed away. We were cleaning out his house as you do. And, um, he had an IBM desktop from the 1980s it cost him $5,000 no, wow. in the eighties. It's like 15 grand a day with inflation. Like, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I remember flower turbines. Did you, do you remember how we rated Pacific Integrated Energy or Hypersciences? I think they were actually all rated relatively high. Um, all in, I believe all of them were anywhere between like 50 and $50 million valuations um, at different, you know, life cycles as companies. But Hypersciences, I think raised on Seed Invest, 
Pacific Integrated Energy, I believe was on Republic. Flower Turbines, I think they've been multiple places to date. Flower Turbines though is an interesting one. They're kind of playing on the whole wind energy thing where you could actually have a small wind turbine that you know is pretty sleek and um, doesn't look overly gruesome or whatever you want to say. And you could put it literally on a street corner or on top of a building and have it be something that powers you know at least part of your energy grid. Yeah, I'm trying to picture, I wonder how much power it produces. Uh, I remember reading the report, but I was like, how oh, can I use that? Anyway, um, industry with the lowest average valuation was, drum roll please. Government services. <laughs> I, four to five million, right? Um, I don't remember any of these companies, do you? So not a ton of deal flow here. It wasn't that many companies, but- um, I'm in DC five. too, but I don't- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not surprised to see not much investment being made or companies being created in the space because, you know, I mean, seriously, the government is not quick to move to make changes to services that they right. get. And they're always looking for the lowest cost providers. So the fact that we're seeing the lowest valuations and the least amount of deal flow in this sector, uh, I think they both kind of go hand in hand. Makes a lot of sense from my perspective. I remember uh, a few years ago, I was having uh, lunch or dinner with some friends of my wife and I was here in DC and she's a gummy is what they're called, gummy. And she works for a contractor and all stuff. And they had just upgraded their computers from Windows XP or like all this stuff. And it was just like, oh man. <laughs> anyway. Only 12 years behind the curve. <laughs> yep. Um, so moving on to, uh, on a positive note, um, I don't know, this is pretty decent, right? Female and minority founders, percentage of deal flow slash dollars. So it is by dollars. So this is absolute dollars, not percentage of the deals. Um, 20.6% of the money raised went to female and minority led founders. That's actually just to clear that up. 28.6% went to female founded companies. Oh, sorry about that. Got it. It's okay. Yeah, the headline is including minorities. I apologize to our listeners. Um, that's pretty good though, because that's I don't know. There's not that many female CEOs in the Fortune or Forbes for uh, Forbes. Wow, Fortune 500. There we go. Well, more importantly, I mean that's at over ten times uh, what we're seeing in the venture markets, where it's about two to three percent of all funding goes to female founders. So, like you're talking about drastically increasing the level of investment. Yeah, it's 10x. It's nuts. It's massive. It's a really big deal. And it's really, really exciting. And I think it just speaks to this whole idea that the traditional venture model needs to evolve forward because even with all of their initiatives to bring in more female partners and whatnot, they're just not doing a good job of diversifying both their partner base and their deal flow in a way that makes sense to enable more female founders to get funded. And we're seeing these crazy numbers in this space. It's, it's really wonderful. And I think a very good development. For well, here, here's hoping that gets to 50%. Uh, Amen. Do you so we'll obviously have this in the annual report. But do you have any sort of teasers for the um, any exciting companies, just noteworthy stories out of the, the female led founder startups? Well, probably one of the most exciting, and this just happened this month, was Backstage Capital. She, uh, Arlen Hamilton, is black, female, gay individual who was told she had no chance at all whatsoever of ever raising her own venture fund. Uh, it's actually our first uh, book of the month club at our company. Uh, yep. We're talking about it on Friday, her book. It's about damn time. Um, but she decided to raise capital for her venture fund business um, on Republic, and they sold out in a matter of hours. It was insane. Wow. Um, and she's already backed well over 100 uh, female minority founders, underrepresented founders. It's been an amazing story. She is succeeding at all sorts of levels um, and someone that's been counted out you know, more than once for sure. 
So very cool to see her coming into the space and proving that you can effectively raise capital from this market and be the face of change. So that, that's a pretty exciting one. Awesome. 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 Um, and if you do want to raise money, it looks like the top platform in terms of dollar raise last year was WeFunder. Um, we know a few of the guys over there. Um, number of deals. Was that, is that a tie with WeFunder and Start Engine? Yeah, so WeFunder won in 2020 for most reg CF deals. Start Engine, if you look at 2018 to 2020. Was the winner um, over the three years. There we go. Impressive. We're definitely starting to see the leaders uh, come into play. And I, you know, Republic last year also really grew. One of the things we need to look at is Republic went and acquired a few companies, right? They got Nexseed, uh, they got Fig. So we need to kind of combine all of those under one entity because they have done an immense amount of deal flow last year. It's crazy. Does, uh, is anybody, uh, in your opinion, kind of taking the lead? So something exciting is uh, about to happen, as our listeners are probably uh, aware by now, which is the, uh, the Reg CF maximum is about to go from $1.07 million to $5 million. Um, is anybody kind of taking the lead and really position themselves to be able to handle that? Because this is, is that every day that something 5X is overnight? No, it's, that's a great question, isn't it? You know, Republic WeFunder Start Engine, I think, have clearly made themselves kind of the market leaders and they've hopped out in front during 2020. Um, I think all of them are capable. Start Engine has done a tremendous job. I mean, for their biggest deals, they have definitely proven under Reg A Plus that they can sell out, you know, five, 10, 15 million dollars. Um, and, you know, Republic and WeFunder have done it a few times too. So I, I think those are the three to watch. And um, I think there'll be some really interesting developments on those platforms. Uh, and we, we, we should probably have a show on this at some point in the future, but um, uh, liquidity. Um, so, you know, one could make the argument that one of the things that's holding people back from investing in this, you know, the, uh, you know, at the start of the podcast, I say, like, we want everybody to become a venture capitalist, but some people, like actually most people, investing even a couple thousand dollars in a startup that's going to be illiquid for five, ten years. I mean, it's it's a little annoying. It's, it would be nice to be able to sell it for a fair price if you ever got on a pinch or you know, kid went to college or whatever. Um, what are you seeing in terms of the development of some sort of liquidity in the marketplace? Yeah, I mean, look to Net Capital and Start Engine. Um, Net Capital actually came out with a press release the other day. They're partnering with a company called Rialto Markets. Yep, I saw that. Which has an ATS, um, basically allows for secondary sales of, of private securities. And so they're kind of teaming up with them and they've already kind of, you know, begun work on a, on a solution in that space. Start Engine has started trading their own stock. Um, so, you know, I, I was an investor in Start Engine early on and now I can post my shares at a, you know, I could put out kind of my, um, my bid and see if anyone wants to pick it up. Um, that was right a now, weird day for me when I saw both uh, Start Engine and Net Capital. They don't trade a lot, by the way. Like I think the other day it was like eight shares, but um, they're both on Yahoo Finance. It was the weird thing. I just typed in like Net Capital and they have a ticker and everything. It's very, very weird. I've been surprised. I mean, Start Engine is moving quite a bit of uh, stock every day on its own company. Um, if yeah, it's look these guys up. thousands of shares, but I've been really impressed. Uh, at the movement on their platform. So it's coming. It is certainly coming. And, you know, we're seeing- well, Especially with the 5 million, right? Like if there's just going to be more money flowing around, ergo liquidity. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, on the back end, we've been having a lot more discussions with institutions that want to play in this space. And I think as 
you know, wealth advisory groups and family offices start to see this space as a way to diversify more so into direct deal flow into private markets, they'll just create even more movement because they have real dollars behind them. For sure. And they kind of, I don't know, you, you see all these press releases, our um, SVP of sales, uh, Ted, the other day, he sent that thing, I think it was to you and me, it was just like, yeah, all these institutions are talking about doing private market stuff more and more because bonds, that ain't working right now. What was it, like, 30-year treasury yields 1.67% or something. Stock market's at record highs. Like, what's a guy to do, right? You're absolutely right. Now, it's uh, it's pretty cool to see. So hopefully, with uh, with that $5 million raise coming in just a handful of days here, one on the 15th, we'll get yep. to north of half a billion this year in, in reg CF dollars alone. Uh, it's pretty impressive. I have, man, I... I want to know what it would take to do a billion this year. I really do. <laughs> I definitely, 2022 is my year that I'm pegging a billion dollars. All right. Um, You're probably right. Yeah. But hey, you know what? I mean, last April, May, we started to see it two and three X, you know, month over month. So you never know what happens. Right. Um, supposedly, and we're hearing from kind of our investment analyst team that there is just like a huge bucket of companies they're preparing for that are all planning to go live on March 15th as these new rules come into play. So we might see some crazy volume. Because people have been holding out too. And there were 30, was it 33 deals last month or something I saw? No, 33 million. I'm sorry. 33 million was raised last month. Yeah, that's a, what people kind of holding back. Exactly. A hundred new deals, 33 million raised. That was a short month. Uh, come on. It's not a leap year or whatever. So. They, they could have had three more days if they waited. <laughs> uh, you're right about Start Engine, by the way. So this is recorded for everybody on um, Tuesday, March 2nd, and 544 shares of Start Engine traded according to Yahoo Finance. There you so, go. Yeah. So yeah. Go on Start Engine and go directly on their platform. Um, if you're looking to trade and you could set up your account to trade on their secondary. That's cool. Uh, and I believe the goal this year is for them to be able to, you know, trade multiple assets on their platform, not just Start Engine stock. That's where they were starting. But um, yeah. Uh, there's Mr. Wonderful. I'm on startengine.com right now. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, Chris, you get the last word. Um, anything else to say about um, your, your your savvy trading in rocket companies or our <laughs> impending annual report? No. Yeah. I, I think it's more about the annual report. Definitely stay tuned. We uh, are going to go into an incredible amount of depth in our annual report to break down all of the different facets of this market and really help you understand what's going on and the Reg CF space in a way that I don't think anyone has come even close to doing. Um, so it should be a fun read for anyone who's uh, who likes to nerd out on this stuff like I do. For sure. I can't wait to get my copy. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you next week, Chris. Sounds like a plan. Have a good one. And that is it for us, folks. If you'd like to learn more about King's Crowd ratings and analytics capabilities, please visit us at kingscrowd.com or email us at podcast at kingscrowd.com. For Chris Lestrino, I'm Sean Riley. Thanks for listening.